Good morning. It's so good to be here with you this morning. It's so fun to preach for my first time here at All Saints, and I'm just so happy to be here with you. While in divinity school at Duke, I was a part of the Anglican Episcopal House of Studies. For short, we called it AEHS or the House. Being a part of the House was one of the greatest parts of my formation. We had morning prayer every day at 7.45. We enjoyed a weekly Eucharist and heard from many different wonderful preachers. Some were very well-known theologians, some local priests, and we heard from each other. Being on on campus for morning prayer was the highlight of my senior year, as the campus was pretty much shut down. The halls were bare, no hustle and bustle, no friends were gathered in the hallways, just sheer emptiness. So being able to gather with friends was life-giving for me, but still there was no hugging, only waving, no standing close to one another, and of course we couldn't see each other's smiles. I know this story sounds familiar to you, as you all have lived it too. One of the last sermons I heard was from a local priest who talked about a time in his life in Wyland Seminary. He was so depressed. He said that he could hardly function. He could hardly get out of bed. And at the time of his really deep darkness, he said all he could muster up each week was to go to Eucharist and lift his heart to the Lord. I felt his pain that day, as there have been many times in my life when I have felt alone, sad, and afraid. There have been times in my life when all I could do was lift my heart to the Lord. Have you ever felt like that? Are you there today? Or do you know someone who is feeling like that? Then hold on, because as Franklin D. Roosevelt said, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. This morning, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, moves us across the lake again to hear the story of two different people who were desperate, both at the end of their rope. Some people call this passage a Markan sandwich because Mark inserts one story into the other. We have the story of Jairus and his daughter as the bread, the top and the bottom, and then in the middle is the hemorrhaging woman. Some At first I was like, well, that could be the meat of the sandwich, but then I thought about my vegetarian friends, so it's whatever you like in the middle of your sandwich. It's an interesting literary craft. Two stories that at first glance don't seem to connect at all. And then when we take a closer look, we can see how they are related. It's like one of my professors said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. First, we hear about Jairus, who was a leader in his church, a member of the vestry, probably even the senior warden, a trustee, a Sunday school teacher, 
Maybe he even sang tenor in the choir. He was a solid, church-going man of God, a good man. And yet, tragedy had struck him and his family. His 12-year-old daughter was sick. And in spite of everything they had tried, she was not getting any better. He feared that she was dying. He had heard of Jesus and of the healings that Jesus had performed, and he was so desperate that even though he didn't know Jesus, he had never seen any of his healings, he went to him, and he fell at his feet and begged for Jesus' help. Jairus was desperate, and at the end of his rope, he knew Jesus was his answer, and he begged Jesus, come lay your hands on my little girl that so she may be made well and live. So Jesus goes with him. And interestingly, Jesus doesn't seem to be in a hurry at all. Jesus doesn't go into freak out mode like I would have. He didn't jump into the ambulance. They just kind of stroll along. If Jesus would have been the pizza delivery guy, everybody would have gotten free pizza that day. On their way, we hear the story of the hemorrhaging woman, a woman who had been sick and bleeding for 12 years, 12 years with no real answers, no help, and so, so sick. She had spent all she had on doctor's appointments and was only getting sicker. Not only was she sick, but because of her bleeding, she would have been considered untouchable, a social outcast, shunned, poor, and socially unacceptable and untouchable. Being a mother was so important back then that um, as far as we could tell, there was, that was not even a possibility for her. Motherhood was not something that she would be able to have or, or do. She was desperate, and she was at the end of her rope. And she knew Jesus was her answer. She thought to herself, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She came up behind him as he was walking by, and she touched his clothes And immediately, immediately, Jesus knew some of his power had gone out from him. Jesus stopped and he looked around. Who touched my clothes? The disciples wanted to keep moving. You know, those disciples are always in a hurry. But Jesus wasn't. Have you ever been in a hurry and the person you were with was taking their good old sweet time? Steve, this morning at church? Uh, sorry. Um, it's the worst feeling in the, wor- in the world when you're in such a hurry. The woman was afraid. I can imagine as she sees Jesus looking around for her, he, she knew that Jesus was looking for the person who touched him. She was thinking, Oh, no, what have I done now? Full of fear and trembling, she falls down before Jesus. And she told Jesus the whole truth, which means she told Jesus 
her story. This was one of those moments I wish I could sing uh, because this story takes me back to when I was a little girl in my Baptist church and I hear this song playing over and over again in my head. He touched me. It goes something like this. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me and now I am no longer the same. He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Jesus took the time to listen to her, to hear her story. Although she was the one that had touched Jesus, Jesus too touched her. He touched her soul as he turned around to find her. We see Jesus's compassion in this moment, a Jesus who wants to know us, a Jesus who cares, who wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus wants to hear from you and be in relationship with you. When Jesus called her daughter, he moved her from the outside to the inside, from the margins, and made her his own. Now, can you imagine Jairus, who was on the sides watching all of this? He was waiting for Jesus, like, is he ever going to be done with this lady? I'm guessing he was probably in incredible pain, waiting knowing that his little girl was at death's door. And finally, as Jesus sends the lady off in peace, now as one of his own, the news comes that his daughter has died. Jesus goes with him anyways and tells Jairus, don't be afraid, just keep trusting. They walk into utter chaos. The hired mourners are there crying and wailing. And Jesus tells everybody, that little girl is not dead. She's just sleeping. The word sleep here means to give oneself over to God's care. Jesus shooed everybody out. And his disciples and the, the little girl's parents, Jairus and his wife, go into the room where she's laying still in the quiet room. The little girl's body is not moving. And Jesus takes the little girl, the untouchable, because she too is dead. She takes her by the hand and he tells her to get up, to rise up. And then he tells her parents, Give her something to eat. Give that little girl some food because she is hungry. This morning, as we walked the road with Jesus, we meet two desperate people longing to be touched by Jesus. They were totally different, and yet they were the same. One was a leader and one was an outcast. One was a dad who was afraid his 12-year-old daughter was going to die, and one who may have longed to be a mama. 
but who had been bleeding for as long as that little girl had been alive. One who wanted healing for someone he loved and one who longed for healing for herself. And yet they both just wanted to know Jesus's healing touch. As we walk, we find that we are walking with Jesus who can't be made unclean by touching the unclean or the dead. Because the light of God, the Son of God, the Savior of the world cannot be made unclean. We walk with a Jesus who has compassion and wants to hear our story. One who wants to be in relationship with us. We walk with a Jesus who brings healing, not only to our bodies, but to our souls. The one who calls us his children, daughters, and son. In the midst of our own unwaver or our own wavering faith, and in our waiting, in our sickness, in our own isolation, and in our joy, in our deep love, and in our deep pain, we find Jesus who wants to hear our story, our heart. One who is ever present with us and the one who knows what it feels like to be isolated, broken, and beaten invites us to eat. The meal we get to share this morning at the Lord's table is one that not only strengthens us physically, but it also celebrates the promise of the ultimate healing we will have and our own restoration, the promise of new life in God's kingdom. So come, lift your hearts to the Lord and eat. Amen. Amen.